Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! 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 Ah! Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, not necessarily as always, as it's been the last few weeks, but tonight he's back, ladies and gentlemen. The beehive can rejoice. Brendan, welcome back. I'm back. You know, I don't know if I want to be back. The Cubs have been so good in my absence. I don't want to jinx it, Corey. Many people are saying that I know. Uh, we're all better I off without it. you, but I get it. Yes, Brendan is back, and boy, are the Chicago Cubs, the San Diego Padres, stroll into the beautiful city of Chicago, beautiful historic Wrigley Field, the best team in the National League, and the Cubs sweep them out of Chicago. A sweep. The Cubs have won nine of their last 10 games. They have sole possession of first place. If you are looking at the Cardinals and Dodgers score, as we record this at about 9.30 Central Time in Chicago, that lead is going to be one and a half games when the Cubs wake up tomorrow. They are 32-23. and 23. Uh, Brendan, it's June. This team looks really good. It's unbelievable, Corey. You know, you and I were talking off the air and we knew this could be a possibility but this is like 95th plus percentile projection like with this bullpen everyone top to bottom you're getting surprise candidates from Tommy Nance from Wisdom Uh, we'll see how Alcantara does and sees up now but like it truly is next man up and they're producing right away this is this is the importance of death we've talked about for years that they never had and finally this year from pitching to position players they have the depth and they're producing when they need to produce yeah and I we are certainly not the only people who have ever uh, laid praise at the feet of Tommy Hadovy and Craig Breslow and the Cubs pitching infrastructure. But if you've been listening to this podcast for any period of time and you are watching 
what the Cubs rotation is doing, what someone like Edward Alzali is doing, the bullpen with guys like Tommy Nance contributing, Craig Kimbrell pitching, you know, as Wilson Contreras was putting it the other day, perhaps the best in his career. Unhittable, he said. Yeah. Yeah, with the stuff that he has right now, Rex Brothers, all these guys kind of coming back into form in their career and things like that. Just remember that this podcast has been uh, big fans <laughs> of, of yeah. Tommy Hadovy. There might have been a point in the offseason, Brendan, where people were like, okay, we get it. You guys like Tommy <laughs> yeah. Hadovy. Jeez. Well, yeah. look at us now, know, Brendan. You're right, man. I mean, that's that's such a huge plus and credit to this pitching infrastructure. And it's not just like Tommy Hadovy. It's like Craig Breslow as well. When you look back in that COVID-shortened season, what they did with Alzali and other guys as well, giving them new pitches. And you see all these new pitchers come up, even like a Cole Stewart who we'll get into, and they're throwing new cutters. I mean, you see it with uh, Keegan Thompson. He has a brand new cutter that's statistically, from a stack cast perspective, one of the better cutters in the league. I mean, quite literally, they're taking these guys' careers and revamping them and turning them into immediately highly valuable guys. And it seems as if now we have a surplus. And even in my wildest expectations, I didn't think we would have this type of surplus that we have right now and it is it is fun to see and it gives you just a ton of optimism not just for this year but like man like 2022 and beyond i'm excited to see what the next wave looks like as these guys continue to develop yeah and you know look it's it's only been a couple months here so certainly for some of these guys you need to see more of a sample you need to see consistency uh grinding through such a long season right but at the same time as we've kind of highlighted over the past few weeks when you see stuff like this especially with the contributions from many guys on the younger side of things and who are under team control for a significant period going forward what is happening in Chicago right now is a game changer for the future of this organization. When we've talked about what path Jed Hoyer will walk on and how to best approach the future, and you know, even going back to the beginning of the offseason, uh, early, you know, this this past year, when he said, you know, keeping an eye to the future, right? Well, you're seeing a lot of the future, yeah. and it's performing at the major league level for the Chicago Cubs. And coming into the season and in past seasons, you have not been very sure about that. A lot of these roles have not been filled by guys who were young or had come through the system or were going to be on the team for several years. And things have shifted a bit. And and again, that's that's a large credit to the front office and the decisions they've made and the infrastructure that they put in place. And then, of course, the infrastructure led by Tommy Hadovy and a lot of these uh, folks that are a lot smarter than Brendan and I. Well, me, at least. Brendan's pretty smart sometimes. Yeah, but, sometimes. Uh, sometimes. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we'll keep talking about that stuff, but let me set the table real quick uh, with a quick recap of this Padres series. Uh, on Monday, so Trevor Williams having an emergency appendectomy over the weekend. That news came after the game on Sunday, and it was Cole Stewart who was brought up. Uh, if you listen to this podcast back in spring training and in the off season, you would have heard Brendan gushing about the potential for Cole Stewart, the stuff that he had, and probably at the time you were like, "Okay, Brendan, why you're very excited about this guy who other organizations didn't want, and you know it didn't even end up breaking camp with the team." But when 
when we were when I was watching the game on Monday, I'm thinking, oh. I'm going to have to eat crow because Brendan's <laughs> going to be right about this. Um, it was a very nice start for Cole Stewart, especially on such short notice and being thrust in there against this Padres lineup. Stewart goes five innings, allows just three hits, one run. It is unearned, one walk and two strikeouts. So a very nice job from him. Keegan Thompson relieves him for two and a third, allows three hits and a run, but strikes out three without walking anybody. Andrew Chafin comes in afterward, uh, two-thirds of an inning, clean, just a strikeout. And Tommy Nance, folks, uh, out there to finish a game off, one inning, two strikeouts, nothing else. Wasn't a high-leverage spot, but still, just Tommy Nance getting these uh, opportunities is, is amazing every time he goes out there. Uh, the Cubs getting their runs in this one. Uh, multiple folks for the Cubs hitting home runs multiple times in this game. And those two people are Javier Baez with number 12 and number 13, and Patrick Wisdom with number two and number three. You'll remember in the last podcast that I did solo, I mentioned that he had hit a few home runs, and over that past weekend, he had hit one kind of into the teeth of the wind, but he probably deserved another home run, and he made up for it. Uh, He was not about to be deprived of these home runs. So he got his in this uh, Padres series. Uh, Chris Bryant also with his 12th home run of the year. Uh, All the runs for the Cubs coming via the homer. On Tuesday evening, it was a 4-3 win for the Cubs. Kyle Hendricks getting the W, his sixth of the year. Six innings, seven hits, three earned, no walks, and four strikeouts. Bit by the long ball a bit, uh, which is, you know, again, just something that comes with the territory with Hendricks, uh, but he limits the damage to just three runs, doesn't walk anybody, so keeping those homers, uh, you know, relatively tame. Uh, and picks up the win. Ryan Tapera, Andrew Chafin, and Craig Kimbrell, per usual, right? Just like we always expected with the Cubs bullpen, three scoreless innings from uh, pretty much what I would suggest, or you know, maybe your top three uh, in this bullpen, at least for the moment. Uh, just one walk, that coming from Tapera, no hits, no runs, and four strikeouts combined for those three gentlemen. The Cubs getting their runs in this one. They took an early two to nothing lead on Patrick Wisdom's fourth home run of the year. The Padres would regain the lead on those couple homers off of Hendricks in the fifth, but a Wilson Contreras bomb, his ninth of the year, would put the Cubs up four to three, and that would be all she wrote. When you have a lights-out bullpen, when you get a a one-run lead in the fifth inning, Brendan, easy peasy. Am I right? That's right. So, that was Tuesday, and then the finale today on Wednesday. It was Adbert Alzali picking up his fourth win of the year. Five innings, three hits, one earned run, one walk, and seven strikeouts. So a lot of whiffs, a lot of Ks for Adbert today. And the Cubs getting their runs in this one. Padres went up one to nothing in the fourth, but Rafael Ortega reached on a fielding error to make it one to one. Anthony Rizzo would bring home two on a double in the fifth. That made it three to one. And then in the bottom of the seventh, the Cubs would add three more. Ian Happ reaching on a fielding error that allowed Alcantara to score. Alcantara had tripled to lead off that inning. And then Javi Baez with his 14th bomb of the year. He is dialed in, folks. That made it six to one. I'm going to go out on a limb. Uh, when we when we heard a lot in the 2020 season that Javi really missed the fans 
in the stands. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that wasn't something that people made up. Uh, you are, I mean, if you're watching the games, it's it's quite visible. It is a tangible thing that he feeds off of that uh, that crowd. Not that I ever doubted it, but it's just wild to like see it play out that way. Like, yep, this was definitely a thing. Uh, Rex Brothers. Brad Week, Tommy Nance, and Dan Winkler getting into this one. They don't allow any runs. Winkler did walk a couple, but he goes two innings of work and eventually closes the door. So, uh, a, I mean, look, Brendan, uh, a really nice series for the Chicago Cubs. There is no two ways about it. Uh, like I said, the Padres came into Chicago, the best team in the National League, and the Cubs disposed of them with relative ease in, in this yep. series. And if you were looking at this as kind of a litmus test of how do the Cubs stack up, um, which is something I talked about in that last episode, you know, uh, not being worried about their ability to, but just noting like this is going to be a test. This is going to sort of show us what this team is made of. Uh, I I would probably give the Cubs a pretty strong passing grade in this series. And, you know, Brendan, the, the thing I, I, I want to throw to you with is we're looking at this schedule. The Cubs have won six straight series. Uh, the last one that they lost was that two-game set in Cleveland. Um, and they swept the Los Angeles Dodgers at Wrigley Field. They swept the New York Mets and they swept the San Diego Padres. So my question to you, uh, if you sweep a bunch of teams that were sort of the presumptive favorites or contenders, whatever you want to call them in their respective divisions and the National League, and you sweep them, and you just keep winning series, you also won a series against the Cardinals, you won a series against the Nationals, Um, if you're doing that to a bunch of contenders, call me crazy, but I'm pretty sure that makes you a contender. I, I I think it does, Corey. And a lot of like, you know, not to put stock in it, but it is interesting to see how the national feel for the team uh, is. And like a lot of the power rankings for the Cubs are in like the mid-teens. Like I saw today, Yeah, they didn't like even crack 12. MLB's top 10. Yeah, it's like I I, I kind of get it because a lot of the performances are from relatively unknown guys, but it, it's it's a sneaky way of of the Cubs being good and contentious because the guys that are carrying the team like they're they could be legitimate pieces like Tommy Nance Corey could be a legitimate back of the bullpen guy. I mean, his stuff is unbelievable from a stack-ass perspective. And I know a lot of people don't put stock in um, maybe like this is like how Greg Kimbrell is now, but he's throwing 99 with that knuckle curveball. Like this bullpen is really, really good. And when you factor that in with their ability to go multiple innings, like, you know, when you have Justin Steele back and Alec Mills back and Keegan Thompson, you have multiple guys in this bullpen that can go two, three plus innings. This this entire staff, this pitching staff is so deep. I've never experienced this as a fan to have so many guys capable of just piggybacking off of a starter. Like, hey, if Trevor does not go four innings, that's fine. You have three other guys in the bullpen that can go three plus innings. And same thing for Arietta right now. And that's what we've seen. That's why they've been so good lately. Yeah, it's, it's just been a very impressive stretch uh, for this team. And, you know, it gets to a point where, you know, the the bullpen has been doing this for a significant period of this season. You know, they had that uh, 38 and a third scoreless streak. And, you know, even since then, it's been quite good as well. So 
you know, again, like you're going to need to see some consistency out of these guys. You don't want to start making, you know, strong conclusions on the the next five years of certain guys' careers just based off of a couple months or whatever. I mean, I'm kind of doing that with Tommy Nance, though. I know he's filthy. I mean, he's just filthy. I mean, look, (laughs) anything can happen with pitchers, but in terms of stuff, it's nasty. I've never seen a reliever come up and showcase that type of stuff. It's like that curveball, Corey. I forgot uh, who put it out, but like from a stack ass perspective, there is no other curveballs with that type of dropping action and velocity. Yeah, it's unbelievable what he's doing. I'm I'm more into the uh, what what is it a sinker or a two seamer? It's like a two seamer and a half. The, it's like the, a double the, two seamer. Whatever he throws at ninety seven miles an hour, it looks like a changeup with the way that it <laughs> fades, you know, down and in back into the zone, uh, especially against lefties. But it's ninety seven miles an hour. I mean, you're watching it like this is like a video game. What he's throwing. Yeah. I, I, I've never seen anyone like that. And that was like the the first time he came into the game. I, I I'm like, are my eyes broken? Like, am I seeing this correctly? And he has that sinker, that curveball, that slider, like. I'm I'm floored. Like every episode, I know I talked about it a few times now, but like every episode, I want to talk about Tommy Dance because he's so unique and so interesting. And the attitude to go with it and the backstory is like, all right, we have maybe like a long-term back of the end guy. Yeah. So, I mean, really, I think what, I, I just want to kind of like round off, we're, we're going to, you know, maybe look more at how the starters looked in this series and, and break down some of the, the position player stuff in the rest of this episode here. But just kind of speaking generally, like we've kind of been on this for a little while now. And, you know, certainly if you go back to uh, the beginning of the off season, even in our angry you Darvish episode, we've never really wavered in telling you guys that we believe this team can be competitive. There is no reason that this team cannot compete at a high level and compete in certainly the NL Central to defend their NL Central crown. Um, And, you know, we're in June now, and it's there is a long way to go in this season. And Anthony Rizzo was talking about that after the game on Wednesday, um, and just sort of saying, like, look, I, I, you know, frankly, I don't think we've proven anything yet. Uh, there's a lot of runway left in this season. We don't want to get too carried away with, you know, performing well for a couple months. This isn't a 60-game season. It's 162. So we got to keep grinding and keep our head down and keep winning. But in terms of the, the bigger picture from a, a fan perspective, like, I think we, we, you know, what a lot of people thought about this team coming into the year you, if you weren't on board with that before, you, you kind of have to just accept it at this point. This team is competitive. They have what it takes mm-hmm. to, at, at minimum, compete in the NL Central. And at, right now, Brendan, I don't know how you would make the argument that they don't have what it takes to compete in the National League on the whole. They've beaten all the contenders. They've swept them. Yeah. So you well, don't have to look at this team and go, hey, it's June print the World Series tickets, right? But there, there's a long way to go. We don't have to to be at that point yet. But you, I think it's, it's very clear that this team has what it takes and what it needs to be competitive and be a contender, whatever you take that to mean, in this division and in this National League. And 
it's it's just been a, a very impressive stretch. They, they've played in a lot of one-run games. They played in a lot of games like that on Tuesday night where they have to hold down a tight lead, and they've found ways to do it. And, and I think a lot of times, you know, it's, it's sort of a narrative to a degree, uh, but you kind of look at a team— and we've seen teams that don't feel like this, right, in, in, in years past, and certainly for you and I, Brendan, growing up. But this team finds ways to win games, not ways to lose them, right? And that's sort of just a, a narrative, like, anecdotal thing, but you do feel that way with this team, that they find ways to win games, to grind out Ws, not the opposite, which is this team finds ways to screw it up and throw games away. And we've seen plenty of that in years past. But it's, it's uh, you know, it's got to be a confusing moment in the front office, but it really shouldn't be. Brendan, and we all knew this, uh, and this is why everybody was so mad about the U Darvish trade. Like, a rebuild in this market should never need to happen. It should never be acceptable. When you have the ability to pump this much money into a team, you you already t- tore it down once at the beginning of the 2010s. You shouldn't need to do it again. But you definitely do not need to do it when the team is winning. You're getting a ton of production from younger guys that you have for a period going forward here, and you have the ability to keep the guys that are performing at the highest level. So if there was any chatter about what they should do at the deadline, we're a couple months away, so things can always change. Uh, But they're positioned where a sell-off or things like that is only going to be motivated by money. I think any argument you were looking at that that is the best direction for the franchise and necessary to bring back certain players and to reinvigorate it, like it, it just doesn't appear to be necessary. What appears to be necessary, Brendan, is buying to improve this team and make them even better. There was a quote from Theo. Uh, I forgot what year it was, but. He said every season is sacred, and when you look at this team right now, bullpens are volatile. And so you do have to ask the question, at what point can you reliably project to have this type of bullpen depth? And the answer is probably not. On a year-to-year basis, you don't know what's going to happen. And I get the starting rotation at this point. It's headed by Kyle Hendricks. He's been up and down a lot this year. Alzelay looks like your bona fide ace at this point. The only question with Alzelay is stamina and longevity through the season. But outside those two, I get the question marks with Trevor Williams lately. I know he has the appendicitis. Jake Arrieta has been hit or miss lately. Uh, I, I get the concerns with the rotation, but at the same time, when you have a bullpen capable of going multiple innings, you have a, a unique pitching situation. And that type of unique pitching situation could play well in a playoff scenario. And you saw from the Washington Nationals in 2019, they just used like their entire rotation in three to four inning spurts. And that worked. And there's no reason to believe that with the Cubs bullpen as it's constructed, they can't do something similar with, with just a few more guys because they have so many nasty pitchers in that 
rotation and in that in that bullpen. It's 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 unique. I know it's uncomfortable when you look at that rotation, but at the same time, you have to be honest with what you have. And there are other guys coming up. This is not the end of the bullpen. You still have someone like a Robert Stock who's throwing 100 miles per hour with 90 mile per hour sliders. You still have Braylon Marquez coming back from COVID. You realistically could have a, a fusion of two to three more pitchers on this team from the bullpen. So if you add one more starter and Alex like can be healthy and continue to provide this type of ace type value, th- this is potentially the deepest pitching staff from bullpen to rotation that we've seen. And in 2016, you had the starting rotation. I mean, those guys were, you know, legends. But going into that postseason, you had an injurious Hector Rondon, you had Pedro Strope, uh, also dealing with a triceps issue. It was Chapman. It was hit or miss with Chapman. This is a completely different construction at this point. So yeah, you're looking at this point where June and selling and the concept of selling off the table. That's why competing and playing so well in May was so huge. It's not even a discussion at this point, should they sell in June? It very well could have been if they did not turn it around. The discussion now is, okay, can they get through June, get through this tough stretch, which they appear to be doing just fine so far, and if they can do that, you have to add to this team. You have to. You're in first place. You have this type of unique bullpen. There's no reason that you shouldn't. And if you want to reap value back from like a free agent, Chris Bryant or Javi Baez, Rizzo's not going anywhere, but just throw them into that bunch, you can still get back your qualifying offer and your high draft pick and you go for you know one more run and you get the playoff money that way. That's st- There's still value there. And I think you owe it to this team. You owe it to this bullpen. You owe it to the coaching staff. And it is, it, baseball is a dumb sport. It's possible they can do this and get through the playoffs in a very bizarre way because it's been done in the past as recently as three years ago. You have to consider that baseball is so dumb that a team like the Cubs and this unique bullpen can carry them through. And I, I think you also have to be looking at it and, and don't take any of this to, you know, don't misconstrue any of this to... Uh, us saying like oh, this team is the best in the league they're winning the world series there's nothing wrong with them like they're going to win 100 like right we're we're chill about it but it's just you're you're 2 months in and they're coming off of winning a division title right there 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 wasn't really any reason other than losing darvish that this team couldn't and shouldn't have been good in the first place. And we're two months into the season. They've played top-level competition. I mean, remember that Dodgers series? They faced Bueller, Kershaw, and Bauer. They swept them, right? <laughs> That's insane. Like, yeah. so uh, it, it, it's not to suggest that all of a sudden we think this team is the best in the league. It, it's just we're you're sort of reaffirming and you're seeing what you had hoped this team was already capable of in the first place, right? Yeah. And sort of, it, we can just kind of carry this into uh, the position players and, and talk about them for a second here. But one of the, the main keys, and this is a very obvious one, but it's it's worth pointing out that it's happening, right, is we talked all offseason, and, and pretty much everybody else did, that one of the keys to this team was going to be Javi Baez looking like himself, and Chris Bryant looking like himself, as opposed to the versions that we saw in 2020, which we said, and many other people said a million times, we know that that is not who these guys are. 
right? We know that Javi Baez is not whatever he was, the second worst qualified hitter in the league based on WRC plus like he was in 2020. We know that Chris Bryant was hurt and that he's not the guy we saw in 2020. And even Rizzo, to a degree, had a down year in 2020 in that 60-game season. We, we knew that that wasn't those guys, and it felt obvious, but especially with the contracts being up, them getting older, things like that, you just needed to say, right, you need these guys to be that high-level talent, and they need to perform that way for this team to be good. And hello, it's June, and that's what we're seeing, Right. Rizzo, Baez, both over 800 in OPS. Baez in the teens in home runs. Bryant, uh, almost a 1,000 OPS. He's hitting 317. He's, uh, you know, got 12 home runs. Like, these guys are performing at that level. And when we talked about, you know, where they stand and the schedule and all that, we didn't even mention. I don't even know if we have sort of alluded to this at all. They're doing all of this with 10 guys on the injured list. Right? right? Jason Hayward and, and Jake Marisnik are rehabbing. They, they played in a game today. Um, you know, you, you've got Matt Duffy, you know, trying to work his way back and, and, you know, plenty of other, you know, Nico Horner, obviously, David Bodie, plenty of guys. Like, they are doing this by getting production from Patrick Wisdom and Sergio Alcantara and Rafael Ortega and Eric Sogard and these guys just being thrown into spots and they're contributing to different degrees, right? But we have seen a lot of lineups like we saw in this, uh, you know, finale with the Padres where the bottom of the order was Wisdom, Ortega, Sogard, and Higgins, right? And they're winning games. (laughs) You know, they're sweeping (laughs) the Padres with with lineups (laughs) like this. So all the the good stuff and and where they are in the standings and everything like we're we, we you know we I talked about it in the last episode but we're not even getting into the fact that they're doing it by bringing guys up like you said Brendan next man up and plugging these guys in and they're getting it done so you're hoping to be getting some of these guys back which will give you more depth and you know there's going to be some decisions on that um but you're also doing it with you know Hap still getting kind of screwed by some of this, uh, you know, batted ball luck, right? The underlying numbers, and I think the way he looks at the plate looks better than the 195 average and 660 OPS that he's carrying at the moment. And so you expect that to get better. You expect these guys to get healthy. You expect, you know, I don't know if it's going to be this month. It might be a little longer, but Nico Horner to come back and, and get back out there and do this. So, a lot of what you're seeing, even on offense, should hopefully and reasonably, like within reasonable expectation, should be getting better, Brendan. You're getting contributions immediately from like Patrick Wisdom. And it's not to slight Patrick Wisdom. I'm giving him all the credit in the world. The guy's taking an opportunity and flying with it. But you have to be realistic, too, that at some point, you're getting Nico back, as you said. You're getting Mariznick back pretty soon, as you said. And Hayward's also on the same uh, injured rehab stint. So you have to be realistic with what you have and dream about what this position group looks like when the bullpen is clicking and when the rotation is clicking. And the way I look at it, it's 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 pretty appealing and getting Rizzo right back in there on day one he's ripping line drives to left field and that left center gap as if he missed no time and then you have Chris Bryant going to the opposite field Corey that opposite field home run he hit the watch that replay 
that pitcher hit his spot perfectly. That 96 mile per hour outside and up fastball hit his spot perfectly. Chris Bryant hit a bomb to right field. You cannot get him out right now. So you're trying to go against, at the current moment, an MVP Chris Bryant, who's playing similarly to how he played in 2016. You have a Javi Baez who's making 73 plus percent contact, who's making changes, opening up his batting stance. And then you have Rizzo who's playing as he normally does. And Wilson Contreras looks great. We talked about this for, what, four years? How you just need to get this team clicking at the right moment, everyone all together, all at once. And it might be happening now, plus the pitching and the bullpen getting it together and getting more development. This is this is remarkable, and to sit here on June second, approaching ten games above five hundred, being in first place, exceeding expectations, and not even being content with what could follow next is a huge sign. And you get Nico Horner back with that contact rate, and you hope that like someone like Ian Happ gets more base hits to fall, like. I, I'm, not, I'm getting too ahead of myself. I, no, I know, I know. Like you know where well, I'm going. Well, Brendan, I mean, look, like it's it it was a. I think you know one of the things, like in terms of like enjoying this, right? Uh, we all know it's June, right? Like anything can happen. If you fast forwarded to the end of September right now, and you told me the Cubs were in any number of positions, right? Like sure, right? There's a lot of baseball left, but I think in terms of just trying to enjoy this, like this offseason was not a lot of fun, right? We're coming off of uh, a, a pandemic season, you know, a fake season, obviously, that awarded an asterisk-ridden World Series trophy to a team from LA. And, you know, obviously a very trying year for all of us, certainly for some of us more than others. And we heard they traded Darvish. We heard nonstop trade rumors about Chris Bryant, Wilson Contreras, Javi Baez, right? We Every other day, Buster Olney or someone was trying to trade Chris Bryant to no avail, right? As, as, as much as they tweeted about a bunch of fake rumors, never happened, right? So enjoy it. The Cubs are in first place. Yeah, it's June. Exactly. We just got past Memorial Day weekend and the Chicago Cubs are in first place. Sweeping so, the Padres. Yeah, we're getting a little carried away, <laughs> right? Are. But enjoy it. And... So getting back to the position player stuff, the front office is going to have some interesting decisions to make because you're likely going to get, at some point, it's going to be scattered, right? Uh, Mariznick and Hayward appear to be close. They will definitely be added when they are uh, ready. Um, Nico, the only thing I saw recently was Russ Dorsey uh, from the Sun-Times, I believe, you know, saying like, it's not going to be you know, it probably will not be this month. So there, you know, yeah. it, it's going to be a minute on him. It's, well, they it's, said his strain was a little bit more towards the moderate side, so it might it might be longer than like what you see with Hayward and Marisnik. Right, and you know, you want to make sure that that's healed and not something that's going to linger and and stuff like that. So it's it, it might be a minute, but luckily it's not a disaster, right? So he'll come back. Duffy, it's been a slower process, um, you know, so it just seems to be kind of a we're waiting for that to heal type deal, but hopefully not too much longer. So they're going to have, you know, kind of a handful of guys coming back. It sounds like David Bodie may be able to come back at some point. That's also going to be a while, so not an immediate thing. But you're going to have to make some moves, right? So 
Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that. You know, I think someone like Nick Martini is probably the early man out, if I was guessing, um, just because he's not getting in there that much. And, you know, he has not, uh, you know, someone like Wisdom has come in and just started hitting bombs, right? I think you would defer to that rather than Martini. Um, you know, clearly they like what Sogard brings uh, in terms of his contact ability and ability to make, you know, contact at such a high level. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Alcantara, who is out of options, 24, very good defender. You saw him come in as a defensive sub in the game on Wednesday for Sogard after, you know, I think five or six innings. Um, and, you know, he's also ripped a couple extra base hits and again, out of options. So he is not going to be one of the first out. Hopefully he's not out at all. Otherwise I'm not really sure why you would have brought him up just to risk losing him. Um, so he should be safe. Uh, wisdom does have options, uh, though is currently one of your hottest hitters, even if it's a small sample. So I don't know what they're going to want to do again. We don't have to play the prediction game. I don't know where they're going to go with this, um, but it's just to say they're going to have a lot of shuffling to do and a lot of potential decision-making to do. Now, we've seen a lot of these little injuries, these little kind of like uh, strains and, you know, not significant stuff, but little stuff. Uh, So good to have this depth if you can keep these guys in the organization and stuff like that, but you're going to have to make a call on who do we want to keep up, who are we liking, what we're seeing, and we're going to want to keep uh, giving them playing time, who has the particular skills that we want to keep, even if it's, you know, at the bottom of the bench or something like that. Going to be interesting to see what uh, comes of that. So, you know, it's just one of those things. It's always good news when the team gets healthy and you can bring back veterans and guys who, you know, you expect to perform well, things like that. But, it's also going to mean a pretty large amount of roster shuffling. So we will see uh, what the Cubs ultimately decide to do there. It's going to be interesting to kind of uh, follow along with their thought process. Uh, But I want to turn to the pitching now. Uh, And I, you know, I mean, we, I'm guessing, Brendan, that once uh, our listeners figured out that you were going to be back on this episode when you announced that at the beginning of the episode they're currently listening to. Uh, I'm assuming that they expected you to be talking about Cole Stewart oh, yeah. from the jump, like the minute that I <laughs> gave you the microphone. I mean, I've been waiting for you. So to, it's like, been a while. Yeah, we got yeah. F- much further into this than I was expecting. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the floor. This Thank is you. An, uh, you know there were a few guys in this offseason that you were pretty jazzed when the Cubs signed them and, yeah. and the potential and what they could bring. So uh, you know. Tell us what you saw, and you know we don't know what his role is going to be going forward here. Uh, but this has to be pretty close to what you envisioned here. Yeah, when when you pick up guys like Cole Stewart, it's not in the context that they are good as is. It's in the context as okay, you have someone with all this movement, all this spin rate, some unique. Uh, mechanics, what can the pitching lab do to get them to the next level? And that was exciting for Arietta. It was exciting for Trevor Williams. It's taken Williams longer than expected. We don't know if he's going to get to that point, but he still has the tools there. For Cole Stewart, the difference between he and Trevor Williams is that Cole Stewart had better stat cast stuff, way better than Trevor Williams. Now, Williams had a different unique release point. He had the command. He had the consistency. He was more stable. Cole Stewart still is not as stable. But what Cole Stewart showed in his first outing with the Cubs 
it, it's it's got to get you excited. I don't I don't see how it cannot get you excited, and it's getting me excited for reasons I did not anticipate. So when the Cubs signed Cole Stewart. He was a four-seam, two-seam, change, slider, curve guy. All of a sudden, Corey, he comes up with the Cubs. And this is a misclassification. They're going to have to change this. But when he was throwing in his debut, initially, of the 62 pitches he threw, 27 were classified as cutters. Okay? Never, never before in the StackCast era has he thrown a cutter. This is the first time they classified any of his pitches as cutters. And so that's a big deal. He developed this new pitch. Now, if you look at the same data, they changed some of those cutters to four-seamers. Those are wrong because those four-seamers are being classified as 85 to 86 miles per hour. Those are cutters. He's breaking the algorithm, okay? He's breaking the pitch classification algorithm. And his cutter, it mirrors his four-seam. Remember Carl Edwards Jr., that four-seam, that natural cutting action? He has the same thing. He does not throw as fast as Edwards did back then, but he's throwing fastballs 90, 91, 92, can get up to worse than 93, and he has natural cutting movement on his four-seam. And he has so much so that in years past, he had about 90% more cutting action with his four-seam than your average pitcher. Now he's expanded upon that by throwing this cutter. And what's interesting is his forcing and his cutter, the actual movement is very similar. Okay, so it's about a two inch difference. He has basically two cutters, one of which is just more severe, a little bit more drastic. And that's extremely interesting because you can play off that and maybe play with your changeup and your curveball. And this is new. This is a pitch, the cutter, that seemingly Tommy Hottavy and Craig Breslow are so insistent on his guys developing because you saw even Keegan Thompson develop a cutter. You saw Adbert Alzali develop a slider, just a sharper breaking uh, cutter. And they're doing it so quickly. And so when I see Cole Stewart do this and showcase a cutter that automatically, Corey, has more movement just in one game, then you Darvish's cutter, that is a big deal. He has more horizontal breaking action on his cutter than a 200% more breaking action on his cutter than your average cutter in the league. And he's throwing it over half the time? This is not normal. This is this is not your typical pitching development. This is we've never seen this before. So you have to get excited about this and you're gotta be curious who's next. Is it going to be stock? Is it going to be, I mean, you have Corey uh, Abbott who's throwing like double digit strikeouts per game now. So like, who is it going to be next? And that's what's getting me excited. And I don't know what's going to happen when Trevor Williams is back. I don't know what they have in mind for Cole Stewart and his stamina. I don't even know if it matters at this point, the way they're using this bullpen. But you cannot ignore what's going on. You cannot ignore the fact that they're so capable of implementing new pitches and doing so with a stack cast number that's automatically in the top tier of the league, this is not normal stuff. And so when we talk about, hey, should you sell, should you buy, you have to consider the the the, the reality right now that this is unique and you may have to consider that this team is a legitimate be- a contender because of their ability to rapidly adjust like this. Yeah, uh, that was a lot on Cole Stewart. Um but good stuff. <laughs> um, 
But you know what I'm trying to say, though, of right? Course. It's like it's not the actual, like, not to get into the nitty gritty numbers, but it's representing what they are capable of doing. So even if Cole, let's say Cole Stewart doesn't pan out in the long run, that's 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 just one piece of the puzzle. You have more guys coming up. Who is going to be next? Right? That's what's going to get me excited in the future. Yeah, I, we've we've talked about this at at points before, and remember the game evolves very quickly, right? So going into next year, things can be completely different. Paradigms change in a lot of sports, but I think especially baseball, um, a lot and very quickly. Um, so you know, you never know where the game is going to go and stuff. But in past years, right, it's it's definitely felt at times that the Cubs were behind in pitching that they were just not making the advances that other teams were making. And it's not necessarily just about velocity, but that was certainly one of the indicators where they were one of the rare teams drafting lower velocity guys, not always just drafting high velocity guys. Uh, A lot of their you know, the the relievers they were signing were not big velocity guys. And it always sort of felt like they, they feel behind in this regard compared to like how ahead they felt of the, you know, young power position player movement, uh, you know, in when they were drafting guys like Chris Bryant and, uh, at, you know, the, the core that won a World Series, right? They felt very ahead of that paradigm. Um, and it's just really nice to feel like, okay, everything that they have put into this, all of the money, all of the time, all of the manpower that they have invested into their pitching and identifying pitching and developing pitching, they have clearly made major strides in that regard where, like you're saying, Brendan, whether it's Cole Stewart and that pans out or not, you feel confident that this organization has the ability to identify, develop, manipulate, however you want to phrase that, pitchers to get them to produce at the big league level. And it just didn't always feel like that with this organization. And again, things change. It's been two months of this season, right? So, you know, again, it's all fluid. But you just didn't feel this way about the Cubs and pitching in the recent past. And it really a long time. It hasn't felt like that. And it just feels right now that if they sign some random guy that you've never heard of, right, instead of being like, oh, okay, here's some guy the Cubs are going to give a bunch of high leverage innings to that's going to stink, right? Your first thought is, I can't wait to see what Tommy Hadovy does with this guy, right? I can't wait to see what this guy is doing because they signed him for a reason and they're going to crank something out with this guy, right? And you just didn't always feel like that. So it's exciting. It also, you know, kind of going to your next man up thing and who's next and, and things like that, it also does really heavily impact. And I I think there was a a quote about this from uh, maybe, you know, like one of those anonymous scout quotes or whatever it was. When you are able to have so many guys look interesting at the major league level and certainly those higher level, uh, higher levels of the minors, it changes how you approach the trade deadline, right? Because it gives you more guys to potentially trade if you're going to buy right? When you're an organization that has a couple of, you know, pitching prospects that are interesting and everything else is a project or things like that, you don't have that much to play with, right? If you're able to 
turn things around and you're able to look at your organization and say, now nah, we've got a handful, like a lot of handfuls of guys who look interesting and might be enticing to include in a trade package, that really changes things. It changes things completely because it's just a much bigger pool. And again, we don't know what the front office is going to do. I don't know how it's going to pan out. But the being able to create a pipeline, obviously, of pitchers that have interesting stuff or have changed what they're doing and are getting better results, it's not just good for the MLB team and what you can get in terms of the production out of the MLB team. It's also good for Jed Hoyer sitting in his chair trying to think about how he wants to maneuver things going forward. Well, you look back in years past and the resources the Cubs had to give up just to maintain their bullpen. And one example is is an extreme one, granted, but the Cubs did trade Jaimer Condelario and Isaac Paredes for for Justin Wilson. And at the time, yeah, you look at it it's like, all right, it makes sense. We need a lefty, need a hard-throwing lefty. Paredes is a single-A guy. Jaimer Condelario has no spot for this team at the big league club. But context does change years later. It's like, oh, man, I wish I did have Paredes on this team. Oh, you know, Candelario right now, it would have been nice to have that depth. And now to have so many potential bullpen arms where you don't have to think about trading those guys is a big deal. And you can use your resources a little bit more appropriately and supplement the team without sacrificing potentially more for your future. So it, it is a huge deal and it makes the investment in the pitching infrastructure so obvious. It's so obvious why for years we wanted something like this. And, you know, for three years, you hear about the Cubs not being able to develop pitchers and they're going through pitching coaches like crazy. This is the first time where I feel like, oh, all right, it's kind of that 2015, 2016 vibe where we're, 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 we're changing courses. You know, we, we may be shifting the paradigm here. We're, we're, we may be on top of that type of like baseball type change at this point. And we haven't felt that way in years, Corey. This, this is a huge deal for me, at least. Yeah, I, I mean, it should be a huge deal for everybody, right? Yeah. Like it, it's, this is all, uh, it's all it's all good. Um, yeah, good vibes only here for the Chicago Cubs lately. <laughs> so um, let's did, – did you have anything on – you know, Hendricks kind of just looks like himself. The home run thing is not – I mean, he leaked a few fastballs. Yeah. He was fine. It happens. He's fine, yeah. Um, and then Adbert. Adbert's doing the same stuff, man. He's throwing heavy sliders over half the time. You got 11 whiffs. You got a lot of whiffs on the slider. got a few whiffs on the fastball. Um, you know, the pitching ninja threw out an overlay of his two-seamer at 95 with his slider in the upper 80s. He didn't have those pitches a year ago. We talk about it every podcast. Al's alive from a stuff perspective. He's the ace of this team right now. You know, Kyle's the ace in terms of, you know, the leadership and the changeup. And he is like your real ace. But when you talk about just pure stuff on this team... You're not seeing many pitchers in the league like Alzali at this point. And the attitude, the confidence to go with it, you know, he's an A-plus tweeter. He's always, like, providing optimism and confidence. I mean, he's hitting his 99th projection percentile at this point. It's, It's unbelievable what he's doing. And really, the only question is... Can he do this in September? Right. And so that's that's where my thought goes. At this point, it's not as if, okay, can Aber develop a third pitch? No. He's done it. 
He's arrived. He's there. It's just a matter of timing at this point. Does his timing make sense for this competitive window? And I think it does, right? But you just never know if the Cubs have different plans for him. You've seen teams in years past, you know, like Steven Strasburg early on in those Nats days, where they said, hey, you know what? Yeah, we're a World Series contender, but we want to value you for your future. We're shutting you down. And I don't know if they're going to do that with Alzali, but at the same time, it is in the back of my mind. Can we let Alzali go this deep through multiple months? I don't know. I hope so. Yeah. And, you know, again, what the context is, you know, you just came into the season with him being on an innings limit or, you know, a workload limit, you know, just given where he was in his career in 2020 and all that other stuff. Um, so that's going to be something for the Cubs to consider. And, you know, like you said, you know, we've seen examples of this in the past where teams are just like, yeah, that that's it. We got what we can out of him. We have to do this because we believe this is in the best interest of his long-term health and um, for his career. But, you know, that's also where guys like Cole Stewart and Keegan Thompson and things like that perhaps become a lot more valuable even than they've been thus far. In if the Cubs are, are, you know, perhaps they had one path they were going to take with Alzali coming into the season, uh, not being necessarily sure how they might perform. If you're sitting here now and, and you're a first place team and you're kind of thinking a uh, bigger picture, uh, you may change course or, you know, continue on a course that says, okay, we need to think about how do we manage these innings. Uh, so that he can keep going through however long this season goes. And, you know, maybe that means you see a six-man rotation more often. Maybe you see him skipped a turn or two. I don't know how they would feel about that, um, you know, just in terms of staying in that rhythm and stuff like that. You, you'd have to ask them, and, and maybe this is something that the beat writers uh, can can start asking or checking in on, you know, what the status of his workload is and, and things like that. But that may be another reason why having pitching depth um, and at least a few guys who you feel relatively confident, hey, we can give this guy a spot start for even if it's four to five, six innings max, right? We know what our bullpen can do. That's fine, right? And they just did this on Monday. Um, so maybe that's something we see, just something to keep in mind, because that, that, that was a, and is a thing with uh, Alzali, that, you know, it, it, he was not supposed to be able to make, uh, you know, 30 plus starts or whatever it is um, for over the course of 162 games. So we'll see what they do there. Um, but with him in particular, you know, that's another one. And, and we keep hammering this point a lot, but it's it's just so important. And it's, and it's been up in the air, right? He's been a guy who's been on those Cubs top prospect lists. He's been a guy that you've heard about as he's been making his way through the minors and, and things like that. But what you're seeing right now, Brendan alluded to, you know, kind of that higher percentile outcome, it, it just can't be overstated enough how important that is. Like, this is a guy who had been one of their better prospects, but at a time where their prospect list wasn't one of the better ones in the league. And, you know, you never really knew what he could be. And and what you're looking at right now is someone who is developing into a top-of-the-rotation starter. That's a big deal, folks. Like, that was not some guarantee with him coming up. And it's it's been amazing to watch his progress 
and amazing to watch. He he's one of those guys, and this isn't to, you know everybody works hard, everybody puts in the effort, right? It's not to suggest that other guys don't, but you just get that feeling from Alzali that he is going to absorb as much information as possible. He is going to make whatever adjustment he needs to. He is going to put in that work. He is going to grind it out until he is the person that you're looking at right now, where we're talking about. It, this guy is a, a top starter in the Cubs rotation for years to come. And it's it's awesome to see that pay off for guys like this. Um, you know, he seems like a wonderful guy. And you just see that work and that work ethic being put to the test. And when you see those results pay off, it, it's just all the sweeter from a, a fan perspective. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the best thing about this is... When you look at someone like Alzali, who has such a good attitude, I mean that that debut start, man, a few years ago, he's taking notes with his like pen in a legitimate college ruled notebook. At that point, you knew he was locked in. It's not a, a matter of attitude or motivation or energy. It's just a matter of giving him the right resources to optimize his full potential, and he he's doing that. And to your point, we've been for so long wanting a top of the rotation starter to come out of this developmental system it is here he is he has arrived again this is just a timing issue at this point it's not a matter of if or when it has happened the sample size is large enough when you have a mid-90s fastball and that slider and you don't even know what he's going to develop next He's not even done developing yet. He still has these pitches that are playing well now, but who's to say that in the next year or two, that changeup becomes better? The sequencing becomes better. He's a student of the game. He's being mentored by Jake Arrieta, who's for years had to reinvent himself. So, I mean, the sky's the limit for the guy. And you want to see people in his position succeed. And he's succeeding. It's good for everyone. It's good for the the clubhouse, the environment, it validates young guys' work. You see guys like Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele always pulling for one another. You see, like, you know, even deeper down in the system, Cole Franklin and although he was DFA, Tyson Miller. You see these guys pump each other up on social media. This is a big deal. When one guy succeeds, it validates the process and the efforts that those guys underneath them are trying to to reach and 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 get to the next step. So it's exciting to see. I'm, I mean, I'm floored, man. Like, I, I loved Alzali before, but there was a legitimate question of whether he could make it. And he was a completely different pitcher two years ago. And with that stuff, the answer that we had was he was not going to make it. With that curveball, with that changeup, he was not going to make it. He had to make these changes. And he successfully did so. So, I mean, all the credit to him. He's got that right. swagger too, man. Like you know, he, <laughs> he does, does like do. those little shimmies coming off the mound. Like he, he's it. he's got like you know you you, you talk he's about like it. an it factor. Like he's got it. He's got the, he's got the K struts as they yes. say now. So yes. yeah, man. Like he's got it all. All right. So four game set previewing here against the Giants in San Francisco. So right now the Cubs are 32 and 33. The Cardinals are getting destroyed by Los Angeles. If all things holds up, the Cubs will be a game and a half up in first place. Right now, the Giants are having a great start to their year. They're 34 and 21. So this is another competitive series. This one on the West Coast, those dreadful West Coast trips. So you just got to hope that you can survive with the way the Cubs are playing. Maybe it will be even better. So first game, 
We have on Thursday, that game starts at 8.45 p.m. Central. We have Zach Davies on the mound for the Cubs. Davies on the year is 2-2 two two, with a 4.65 ERA. So consistently as I read his ERA, it's going lower and lower and lower, and that's what you want to see. Uh, for the Giants, we have former Red, and we faced him a few times. Antonio Descalfani on the year, he's 4-2 with a 3.56 ERA. Descalfani is good, man. Um, he was a target I wish the Cubs... Uh, approach earlier on, but uh, seems to be not that big of a deal for this pitching staff, but he's having a good start to the year. And then after that, the Giants are still reconstructing their rotation. They have not announced as of Wednesday at 10.30 p.m. Central uh, any starters for the rest of the series from Friday through Sunday. But the Cubs do have their guys set on Friday at 8.45 p.m. Central start time. You have Jake Arrieta on the mound, Arietta on the year, 5-5, five and five, a 4.41 ERA. And then on Saturday, a little bit earlier start time is 6.15 p.m. Central start time. Cole Stewart back on the mound for the Cubs. Hopefully that continues. Look for that cutter. Look for that four seam. Uh, look for that sinker. He's also throwing a sinker in 91, 92, 93. Uh, I mean, I can't. I cannot wait to watch Cole Stewart pitch, Corey. Uh, that will be fun. And then on Sunday to finish off this four-game set, on afternoon start time of 3:05 p.m. Central, we have Kyle Hendricks on the mound. Kyle on the year uh, six and four, a 4.62 ERA. Just looking to rebound. He looked good in the last start out. He's looked good ever since coming back uh, from his injury and just you know. The velocity is up there. Just leaked a few fastballs. He was cruising against San Diego. It happens. But in a bigger ballpark, you just hope that those fly balls uh, get a little bit more settled down and end up in the gloves of the Cubs outfielders. So that's the picture. We'll see what happens with the Cubs injuries as this series goes along. We'll see what happens, what they do with Patrick Wisdom. We'll see if they play Alcantara a little bit more. We'll see what they do with Jacques Peterson at the leadoff spot or if they go with Wilson Contreras, depending on the matchup. But really, my eyes are towards that bullpen. Um, also, we didn't talk about it, but David Ross, amazing job managing these guys. It yeah, seems as if he's agreed. putting these guys. Yeah, it seems as if he's, it seems as if he's putting these guys in situations when they're at their best. Um, so you know the communication from all the coaches have been spot on. So I'm looking really to see how Cole looks, to see how the bullpen continues to be deployed, to see if Tommy Nance keeps getting those back end uh, chances, to see if Keegan Thompson keeps getting multiple inning chances. But at the end of the day, it's just keep it going, man. I mean, let's let's see Tony continue to look healthy and go in the opposite field. Maybe Ian Happ can get some of those base hits to drop. He had a good series with some unfortunate shifts. Uh, batted balls, got outs. So that that's where I'm at. Just keep it going, keep the pitching going, keep the good vibes going. Yeah, I mean, pretty simple. Uh, this is a, a, you know, notoriously tough trip. Um, you know, you're playing two teams that have been playing well. Uh, you did just sweep one of them, so that's nice. Uh, but no off day. You're headed out to the West Coast, a lot of late night games. So uh, this is a tough trip, uh, you know, likely to be probably because I think when they go to LA at the end of the month, uh, they follow that with the Brewers. So, you know, this is probably your most difficult road trip of the year, um, at least in, in the sense that you don't have an off day before it and you're playing two teams that, um, you know, have positioned themselves at least thus far as, you know, playoff teams or or teams to be contending, uh, for the playoffs. Um, so tough trip, but you know, like this team has gotten it done. Hopefully they can get healthy a little bit here, uh, and just keep it going. I mean, I, you know, there, I don't, I'm not really, 
at this point, I'm not really looking for anything in particular um, other than the team getting healthy and just continuing to do what they're doing. I, like they're a first place team. They're they're going to head into San Francisco um, with a one and a half game lead in in the division. So uh, they seem to have that handled at least for the moment. So just keep it rolling and and you know I think doing what they've been doing. Like you know and and again this is like one of those really silly sports cliches, but just day by day, right? Like they have found ways to win games. They have gotten guys to step up uh, each day. And it hasn't always been the same guys. It hasn't been the same story every day, but they have managed to do it. So Thursday, uh, it's 845 Central against the Giants. Take care of that game. And then, you know, we'll move on to Friday. So day by day, just keep winning games, keep playing like a first place team. And, you know, this 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 team is rolling right now. So just, just keep it going. Uh, try to keep this series streak going. I, it will be a very, it'll be a, a good podcast on, on Sunday if the Cubs have won seven series in a row. If we get to next Wednesday and it's eight series in a row, boy, I mean, you think we're over the top right now with how we feel about this team. Good luck. So let's get there. Let's win a couple series uh, out in California. What do you say? Uh, so that is all we have for you. It, it was nice to have Brendan back. Uh, like I said, thank you guys for, you know, sticking with us through that, you know, not something we can control. Obviously we're glad our boy is healthy once again. Uh, obviously that is the most important. Uh, but for me, it's, it's not so great talking to myself. I, I, I think as you guys know, even in a controlled context with a co-host, I can ramble a little bit. So when I do not have somebody to interrupt me or bounce things off of, uh, it's very difficult to know what has come out of my mouth into this microphone and that you guys are forced to listen to. So we appreciate your support on that, uh, but we're back. We're, we're in good form. So other than that, uh, let's let's keep the good vibes going here. The Chicago Cubs are in first place in June, and that sounds really, really nice. Um, that is all we have for you. As always, thank you for listening to the Cubs-related podcast, supporting us on uh, social media, leaving those five-star reviews on the Apple uh, Podcasts app or store is always appreciated if you haven't done so. And uh, otherwise, we will talk to you after the Cubs and Giants finish up this four-game set out in San Francisco. Thank you for listening, and as always, go Cubs!